are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Hi, my name's Ben. I've been a Christian uh, for a long time now, uh, since I was 16, and I've been asked to, to share uh, my testimony. Hopefully this is, um, this is, this is helpful. Um, so yeah, around about that time at 16, I was, I guess, as you can imagine, you know, this stereotypical uh, college going guy. Um, I was very much into rugby, uh, partying, you know, I, I guess I was doing all the things um, that would be um, any, anything to do with not actually studying, I think was probably my my focus. Um, and yeah, I guess a bit of a tear away up to no good. And it was around about that time where I met a guy who now at the age of 38 um, still is one of my best friends uh, and he became a, uh, one of my best friends at the time when I was 16 and there was something about him um, you know I knew him before I, before I met him I knew of him um, and um, I guess it was as I got to know him better during that time that I realized that it became quite evident that um, that he was a he was a Christian which was bizarre um, something I struggled to get my head around the fact that he was you know really popular um, you know, really good mate of mine, kicked about in the same in the same groups, played a load of rugby together, and yet he had this thing that um, that was just he had a sort of a, a real um, burning desire for God, if you like, um, which I found it very fascinating, um, quite intriguing, and uh, and it was you know around about a time when casually he asked me if I wanted to go to a thing called an Alpha course with him, which was run by his church. Um, something I'd never heard anything about before and for those of you who don't know an alpha course is like a, an introduction to Christianity to God to Jesus the Holy Spirit etc so I went along to this course um as I said with a very open heart um and it was probably around about you know the, the third or fourth week where we did a uh, um a, a session on uh, the Holy Spirit and yeah that that particular day I remember it even now um you know the talk was really resonated and it was quite an interesting um concept the idea that, that that god had you know sends his holy spirit to be with you to to guide you and help you and i listened to the to the talk and, and actually ended up putting my hand up for prayer at the end and something to this day that i can remember very very vividly um you know a, a real sense of god kind of meeting with me if you like uh, sounds a bit cheesy and, and i don't ever expect anyone to appreciate uh, what what went on for me that particular day, but I made a decision. I I, I felt like I was you know really filled with the, with a, with a, with a, an incredible peace and a real sense of the Holy Spirit. And I changed um, at that point in time. I I decided to become a Christian and uh, and 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 turn away from um, you know life as I as I knew it. And I guess you know without um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I, I, I became an angel overnight. Um, and, you know, as most Christians will, will say, you know, the Christianity itself is a, is a journey and you, you go through hard times and good times and it's incredible. Um, but it's often, you know, a struggle. Um, but I look back on those days and, you know, something absolutely changed in my heart. And um, I think it was a realisation that, that God is real and that Jesus did walk this earth and he loves you and he you know he loved me and he loves me and he cares about me and he sends his holy spirit to be with me so you know how am i different now um you know life's incredibly different clearly i'm, I'm, I'm a fair bit older now but essentially you know every day i i realize um that i can't do life in my own strength um and i rely on god um 
to give me that strength and I look to the Holy Spirit to fill me and that gives me an incredible sense of joy and it gives me an incredible sense of hope and I think that's you know one thing that's really um, important for me in life being a Christian it, it can be hard and it isn't you know the perfect life um, necessarily um, but it, it's full of hope and full of joy and you know when you believe in God and you let God into your life it, it fundamentally changes everything and um, yeah my life hasn't been the same since at the age of 16 when I went on that Alpha of course um, and gave my life to Christ um, things have things have been, been been incredible my outlook on life is, is is very different and and definitely definitely full of hope thank you so much Ben for sharing that amazing testimony about how you found Jesus and ultimately found hope in him what a great way to start our new sermon series hope matters this morning my name's Catherine and it's so good that we can meet together even though we're in our own living rooms this morning to come and worship and to hear from God. I want to begin this morning by telling you a story and it might be something that you recognise. There was a group of six eggs and all six eggs hatched and the mother duck walked along and looked at her chicks and the first five she thought were beautiful but the last one she looked at thought it was ugly and rejected it. And so the ugly dunkling went on its way to find acceptance. And it went to the chicks and it went to the turkeys and to the other farmyard animals. But wherever it went, it was rejected. And so it sat down and cried. Aww. And a swan came over and said, why are you crying? And he said, because I'm ugly and everyone was rejected me and I want to look like you. And the swan says, look in the pond. And as the duckling looks into the pond, it can see that it's become a beautiful swan. It found a hope. And so this morning, as we look at hope matters, I want to ask you the question, why does hope matter? We're going to be starting our new series this morning, Hope Matters. And each week we're going to be looking at a different story of where Jesus encountered someone and brought hope to their situation. We're going to often see how he broke social conventions of the day in order to bring that hope. And this morning we're going to start with the story of the woman at the well and Emily is going to read this for us. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his sons Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you are now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you. I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Thank you so much, Emily, for reading that to us. It's so easy to hear a story like this and just think, oh, well, that's a nice story about how she found Jesus. Or maybe we're Christians and we've heard this story lots of different times and we can brush off the kind of significance of what it is that Jesus does in this story to bring hope to this woman. And so just to give a bit of background, I first of all think it's amazing that Jesus is even in Samaria. In fact, I love the sarcasm of the Bible where it says in verse 4, he had to go to Samaria. No upright Jew would ever have to go to Samaria. It was a place that no one went and especially not a religious leader. In fact, they would walk the long way round, do everything they could to avoid being in Samaria. He's also talking to a Samaritan woman. And so first of all, Samaritans, they were rejected by the Jews and despised because they were a mixed race group of people. And she was a woman. A woman was a second class citizen in those days. And so no man would speak to a woman in public. Some men wouldn't even speak to their own wives in public because they wanted to keep their upstanding status. And so right in this situation, we find right at the start of the story, before anything happens, that Jesus is breaking social convention to speak and bring hope into this woman's life. And I want to suggest three ways in which he brings hope to her. And the first way is he brings significance to her. He says she is significant. And he does this by speaking to her. I love how the Bible goes into detail and tells us that it's about 12 noon. 
No one in a hot country does anything much at 12 noon, and especially not carrying a heavy jar full of water. It was also an unsafe time to be collecting water. Most of the women would get up early and walk together and chatter and talk and maybe gossip as they went down to the well to collect water. And they'd do the same thing at the end of the day in the evening. And yet this woman is on her own in the middle of the day. And that's either because she's been rejected by her people or because she feels so ashamed of who she is, she doesn't want to associate with other people. And in the midst of that moment, we find a Jewish man speaking to her. And just by speaking to her, Jesus shows that she is significant, that she is someone worthy to speak to. Not only that, he also asks for a drink. And maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, that's quite typical, actually. Uh, men quite often ask women to put the kettle on. But actually, it's so much more than that. He's asking her for a drink. And in verse 9, she says, how can you ask me for a drink? And then in brackets, it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I actually think it's quite an unhelpful translation and a more accurate translation would be for Jews do not touch the dishes of Samaritans because that would make them unclean. So Jesus is at this well. He has nothing to draw water with. He's speaking to a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day and says, please, can you give me a drink? Which means that he would need to drink from her water jar. He is showing that she is significant in his eyes. Who do you avoid associating with? Maybe because you're embarrassed to talk with. Or maybe it might affect your social status. Maybe you're nervous about what other Christians might think of you as you speak or associate with those people. I mean... We even know the disciples were shocked in verse 27 that where it says they were surprised Jesus was talking to a woman. The second way Jesus brings her hope is by showing that she is accepted. He offers her acceptance. After a bit of dialogue going back and forth, in verse 16, he says to her, go and call your husband and come back. Has it ever crossed your mind why she doesn't say, okay, sure, and walk off and never return? I mean, it's going to be a pretty awkward conversation after that question has been asked. The easiest thing right now to do would be to say yes and to walk away. And yet she already can see that Jesus thinks she's significant enough that she's willing to answer and say, I have no husband. And then he says to her, you are quite right when you say that you have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Wow. Right there, her sin is completely laid bare. I wonder what she was thinking. Wait, hang on a minute. First of all, I'm out in the middle of the day and a Jewish man is in Samaria and he's talking to me, a Samaritan woman, and then he's willing to drink from my water jar and yet he knew about my sin all along and he still chose to talk to me? Wow, what acceptance is that that he has shown her? What I also find interesting is that we never know how she got into that situation. Maybe she was a bit of a flirt and went from man to man. Or maybe as a second class citizen 
and as a Samaritan woman, she was used and abused by men and ended up in that situation. But you know what? To Jesus, that doesn't matter. He thinks that she's significant enough and that regardless of how she's in that situation, he wants to show her that he accepts and loves her just the way she is. And in later verses, we read how she runs down the village and declares, come, see the man who told me all I ever did. I mean, that's quite a remarkable change from going from a woman who's too embarrassed to go to the water well with other women to then be running boldly down her village, declaring, this is all the sin and shame that I have. This man told me all about it. Come and meet me. It's a massive transformation. And that's because her sin and shame were left at Jesus' feet at the well. And she was able to know that she was significant and she was accepted. There's a glimmer of hope that he is showing her. And this is how we can bring hope to other people. By showing that they are acceptable to us because they are acceptable to Jesus. It means we can accept people regardless of the decisions they make. Jesus doesn't go into the, well, how did you get into the situation and what happened and the ifs and the buts and the whys. It doesn't matter to him. All that matters is that she is accepted by him because of who she is. And so we can show that same thing to other people. It means we don't have to scrub up family members or work colleagues or other people in our community before we bring them to church or before we speak to them or before we accept them. No, we can do that now. Who do you struggle to accept in society? Maybe it's the homeless person who goes from sofa to sofa or sleeping in the street because they've gambled away all their money or they've ended up on drugs and alcohol. Do we turn our noses up at them and walk away thinking, serves you right? We need to be more like Jesus and show them acceptance and say, Jesus loves you and accepts you, therefore we love you and accept you. What about if a member of the LGBTQ plus community walks into our church? Are we going to show them rejection or are we going to welcome them as they are and accept them just as Jesus accepts them? What about the single mum who turns up having had a one night stand with two different children who are a bit kind of a nightmare? Are we going to turn our nose up at them and not invite them round for play dates and not get to know them? Or are we going to choose to be like Jesus and accept her regardless of the decisions that she's made? And what about the woman who's chosen an abortion? How are we going to treat her? Jesus accepts the woman at the well and doesn't get into the if, buts and whys of how she's in her situation. He accepts her regardless and we are called to do the same. Maybe you're someone who has come along to church and you feel like you're the ugly duckling or the woman of the world, that you've been rejected and you haven't found acceptance anywhere. And even in coming to the church, you haven't found acceptance in the church. If that's the case, I want to apologise for that. And I want you to know that Jesus thinks that you are significant and that Jesus accepts you just the way you are. And here at Hope Church, we too will accept you just as you are. And lastly, Jesus showed her hope by offering her security. In verse 23, it says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship 
the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. By the end of this conversation, Jesus has pointed this woman to himself, the only one who can save her. He doesn't skirt around the issue and debate big Christian theology. No, he brings her straight to him because he is the one that can offer her redemption. He can offer her ultimate security. Jesus ultimately gave her hope. I asked you at the beginning, why does hope matter? Hope matters because it offers significance, acceptance and security and because we all need it. Just like Ben shared about finding hope and it bringing peace and transforming his life in the testimony, so we find that this woman in the well found hope and was transformed. And we too need hope. We were made to have hope. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they were significant. They were named and given purpose to rule over the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And they were accepted. They had an intimate relationship with God where they walked amongst the uh, garden with him. They also accepted one another and they were secure. They had all they needed. In fact, I'm pretty sure the word need came after the fall because they didn't know what need was. But then they decided that they could go their own way and they could do things better than God. And so they were disobedient and they turned away from him. And in doing so, they therefore inherited a lack of significance, a lack of acceptance and a lack of security. And so God put plan A into action and he sent the law. And in sending the law, it made very clear that no man, no matter who they were, could ever live up to the standard of the law in order to restore their significance, their acceptance and their security. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to live the perfect life, to die the perfect death and to rise again, conquering sin and death. And so that those who put their trust in Jesus can have that ultimate hope and can have their significance in him restored. That they can have the words declared over them, I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. That they can be accepted because they are children of God and that they can have their security restored because they are now free from condemnation. What an amazing hope we have in Jesus. Hope matters because true hope comes from Jesus and it restores all the things that we lost in the garden in the fall and restores back to what we had in the garden of Eden. And that is why we are Hope Church because we have an important message that we can share with our community that ultimately will bring them true everlasting hope. So why don't we respond? There's three ways I'd quite like us to respond this morning. The first way is if you do not know Jesus, 
then I want to give you an opportunity in a moment to know him and to put your trust in him. Second of all, if you're a Christian, I want you to be thinking, how can you bring hope to those around you? How can you show that they're significant and they're accepted and ultimately bring them to know the security they can have in Jesus? And for us as a church, I think there's a corporate response for us to be hope church. So that when people come into our church, that we will love and accept them and show them that they are significant for who they are, because that is what Jesus thinks of them. Why don't we spend a moment and pray? First of all, I'd just like to pray for those who want to put their trust in Jesus. And so whilst you pray, maybe you can repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to come and live on this earth to have the perfect life and to die on the cross for all the things that I have done wrong and to rise again, defeating sin and restoring to me my significance, my acceptance and my security. And I pray that I will know that from this day forward and that I will know your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who are Christians, I'd just like you to pray quietly to yourself now to ask God to reveal to you how you can show hope to those around you. And I want to now pray for us as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have a gospel mandate as Hope Church to bring your hope into our local community and beyond. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that ultimate hope is found in you. And I pray as we encounter people across our neighbourhoods, our families, our workplaces, our schools, as we encounter them and they feel hopeless and rejected, Lord God, that we will be able to bring your hope into their situations, that we will be able to bring your significance, your acceptance, and ultimately show that you can provide them a security and a peace that surpasses all understanding. May we as a church be a church that loves all people in the way that Jesus loved people. May we be a church that is accepting, Lord Jesus, of all who come, regardless of how they're in their situations, Lord God. May we show them your love and your peace. Be with us, Lord God, I pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.